Simon, how are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Chris. Good. Uh, uh, where in the world are you? So I'm based in London, United Kingdom. That's mm. uh, the place I call home. But uh, given my work, I often travel abroad to different cities and regions. Simon, before we go and talk about energy, which is just, I honestly think this is everything at the moment. Excuse me, I just cleaned my glasses. Um, <laughs> uh, just, um, is your family her heritage Hong Kong? No, but it's that part of the world. So both my parents were originally from Malaysia. Okay. My mum came from a place called Penang, uh, South Malaysia. And my dad came from the Borneo Island, uh, a place called Kuching, which is East Malaysia. I've visited quite a lot of places. So Malaysia, uh, Kuala Lumpur, isn't it, is the capital? Yeah, KL is the capital. And yeah. uh, it was it was made famous by that film Entrapment with yes. Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Didn't they skydive from the famous Petronas Towers? Yeah, the Petronas Twin Towers. They were conducting a heist uh at the petronas twin towers yes that's right and then you can go south into um singapore right it's like a bus yeah, it's so just Singapore's like a bus a ride as well singapore uh it's one of my favorite cities in the world and mm -hmm. for obvious reasons uh you and i just before we went live chris we talked about my my love of being organized and minimalist and, and tidy and singapore is exactly like that it's very well organized it's very functional very practical and spotless when, when you walk around the streets in the city it's uh it's legal in because singapore got some quite strict drug laws from what i remember yeah it, there's a lot of uh i mean there's strict drug laws but there's also a lot of restrictions and if, if you go to singapore for the first time and you go to one of these tourist shops you'll see this famous t-shirt where it says at the top of the t-shirt singapore is a fine city and then it lists on that t-shirt all of the fines that you would get <laughs> if you do activities <laughs> that you're not allowed to do so you're not allowed to chew gum on the street yeah. uh you can't carry certain fruits on the uh the public transport uh you can't eat or drink on public transport so there's a lot of fines that you get if you break any of those rules I thought you're going to because we're called bought the t-shirt podcast. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say I went to Singapore, and all I got was locked up for <laughs> smoking <laughs> in the street or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. What I was going to say is I found it really um, fascinating that all these strict laws and everything, which is fine. I mean, if it works, it mm -hmm. and people are happy, it works. Um, but the one thing was the Chinese community were allowed to smoke opium in in their ceremonies, mm -hmm. which I just thought was. Um, fascinating fascinating yes so simon um we both met through a mutual acquaintance um mm. i'm gonna big him up here because i like to do that with my friends and guests so um i'm gonna say dubai's most influential man mm. <laughs> Spen <laughs> the, the wonderful spencer lodge who um it was great i believe we both guested on his podcast um has yours come out yet mine's yet to come out no, I, I think he usually uh, batch books these podcasts, so they sort of do a lot of them and then they schedule them going forward. But it's but it's funny because when I when I went to do his podcast, which he did when he came to London, he was in London just for a week. Uh, a week before, I'd lost my voice, so I, I went into the podcast thinking 
I hope my voice holds up because I'd lost my voice just a few days before. So us speaking now, Chris, you've got my full 100% voice, which is such <laughs> a difference to where it was when, when I spoke to Spencer in London. Simon, let's, um, let's get onto the subject. So your, um, your philosophy is transform your energy, transform your life, which I, I think, I think we both share that to be, to be honest. Um, yeah. um, I'm interested in exploring on what sort of parallels that we, we, we share, um, mm. a- awaken your imagination to what is truly possible so that you can live a better story. Friends at home, I'm going to put all Simon's information below the video. So his book, which is called Energize, uh, Make the Most of Every Moment, uh, website, social media, et cetera, et cetera. I'm reading off, uh, was reading a quote off the website. And um, you've been covered by Forbes, Virgin, Harvard Business Review, Financial Times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was listening to a bit of your book earlier and I can see um, you've got some great reviews from New York Times, mm-hmm. New York Times, number one selling um, authors. My claim to fame is I was Hong Kong's number two best-selling author. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, it's it's the silly things like that in my life, Simon, that I really cherish. And I think we, we, we have to, isn't it? We, we're so focused on how much further we have to go that we don't take enough time to reflect on just how far we have come uh, and to celebrate the small successes. You, you know, I think that we all at, at, at points in our life wish we were doing what we now are doing. And so we just got to step back sometimes and celebrate those small wins. So I mean, shall we take it? Do you want to tell your, your, I mean, you not, don't have to tell your whole story, but how did you get to be where you are now? Did you have like a sort of epiphany moment? Was life all going one way and you thought, hang on, I've got to, <laughs> you know, I've got to change this a bit. So, so one of the things I've, I've come to understand, Chris, is that it's very rare to have an epiphany moment. So, so what I mean by that is it's rare for us to wake up one morning and go, hey, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You might see that in the films, but I think it's a lot rarer in in society. I think in my case, what happened is there were a series of things that happened that nudged me towards what I now get to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up, as I, uh, as I shared earlier, I grew up to two Malaysian Chinese uh, parents. Uh, they were very much from the traditional Asian culture in the sense that they wanted their children to follow a, a fairly set path in life. They wanted my brother and I to do well in school academically. It was all about being top of the class, getting those A grades, and then getting to a good school, a good college, and then getting a well-paying job. And so when I was a teenager, my focus was on being either a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, or an accountant. Traditional, respected jobs that paid well. And so after I graduated from university here in London, I started in the in the financial services sector at what was probably the worst possible time. It was the middle of 2007, which was a year before the global financial crisis swept across the planet. And the company I began with was Lehman Brothers, which collapsed 14 months after I joined. Not not my fault, by the way. Uh, And that was the first nudge, if you will that got me on the path that I now am on because it got me questioning what success meant for me. Uh, I believed that if I pursued this path, 
I would become successful. But the financial crisis made me question my choices. And then the next job I was in was a very toxic job. Uh, It's an experience I describe in the first chapter of my book. And again, that led me to focusing more on, on my own energy because I was getting little sleep. I was eating junk and I wasn't moving my body. And I felt the impact of that very quickly. And so those were some of the early events combined with the loss of my mum that led me to do what I now get to do today. I had an epiphany, but I had it through chronic drug addiction. Mm. So I was literally probably going to die. And things got so bad, Simon, you know, so bad that I I went from being like a handsome young Marine (laughs) with, with a, you know, flashy car. I know, I know this is all bullshit, but, but that, that's what I was. And then I'm next thing I'm, I'm sort of just living a very dark life. And I, um, it was in one very, very low moment that I just thought, hang on, I, I can't do this any longer. It's, Mm. it's too painful living like this. It's yeah. better the other way. <laughs> it's better not to do this to myself. So, so, um, so yes. So, what what was your first move? Because you in in Chinese culture, what's the exercise? Sorry, that that many Chinese do in the morning to heart to harness the chi. Is that is that? Are you referring to Tai Chi? Tai Chi, yes, of course. Yeah, I'm sure there's several, but but that's yeah. you, and, you. And it's it's interesting you touched it because I think that if we look at different cultures around the world whatever background you come from we all talk about energy uh in different ways so in chinese culture we call it chi in maori culture they call it mana in indian culture especially for those who practice yoga they call it prana Uh, and in more modern day cultures uh, if you are a fan of the star wars film franchise you might call it the force now i think that whatever word or term we use to describe it, we're all talking about the same thing, which is energy as a life force that pervades every part of our existence. So the thing is, we we know it spiritually, but very few of us apply it or address it in our everyday lives because we get so caught up in the business of the everyday. And so that's what I really wanted to address in my book when I talk about energy, is when we look at energy, we've really got to break it down into four dimensions. Energy is about your physical, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual. But unfortunately, we we tend to only focus on the physical, which is when I'm not feeling energized, then I need to get more rest, I need to eat better, or I need to move my body. But we often neglect the other three dimensions, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual. And that's why we can be exhausted, even if we address just the physical side of it. 99% of people just get up in the morning, go to their job and don't give this a second, mm. don't even understand that the, the potential we have in us to even make slight changes in our lives. It, it's interesting because I think a lot more of this stuff is being increasingly discussed, especially within the corporate workplace. Because post-COVID, what we are now seeing and there's been a number of articles about this in the mainstream press, is that many employees across the planet are experiencing a human energy crisis. Because we've come out of COVID, and we've got this hybrid model where some of us come into work a few days of the week and work from home a few days of the week. But what that's now giving us is a responsibility to decide our own boundaries. Hmm. And we've never had to do that before. Because before the, the pandemic, 
you came to the office at a certain time, you left the office at a certain time, and you got on with your life. But now the lines between work and home are a little blurred when you're working from home a lot more often. And I think it's fair to say that the 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 boundaries between the energies are blurring, aren't they? So mm. whereas you might manage your energy at work, I mean, an unhealthy way people manage their energy is coffee, isn't it? That's mm. that's one, you know, I've got to go to a job. I don't like it. Just drink a bucket, <laughs> of co- drink a bucket of coffee on the way to work and, and th- then I'll get through. And so, yes, I guess it's blurring it. I mean, when I come, I mean, I, you know, when I, before I start work, I love to have gone for a run and I love to have had a sauna and a cold plunge. And it kind of draw, draws a line that means I've set myself for the day now. Yeah, I, I think this is why there's been talk in the press of many employees going through a human energy crisis, because when you're working from home, the onus is a lot more on you to have the discipline to create your own boundaries and to manage your working day. Whereas when you're in in the office, uh, it's very different because you get energy from being around people. You have the office banter. You, you can go to the water cooler for a break and catch up with your colleagues. There are certain things that you can put in place. And then if you've got a meeting, you go to meet, you come back to your desk, you get on with your work. But at home, sometimes we try and do too much. Because we're at home, we want to do chores as well, maybe. Because you're at home, why not get a chore done? But then there's no separation between the two. And so it means we have to be even more disciplined around our time. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was in employment, Chris, and when you get an unexpected day off work so your boss might say hey simon take a day off work tomorrow you know you've had a great week or you know use it as a day off to catch up with your own things and i'll come home and without intention without any planning or idea of how i want to use that time i end up wasting it you know i i wake up late i watch some daytime television and then i'll finally start my day mid-afternoon but by the time i get through a couple of hours i'm already at the end of the day when we, when we look at productivity, it's less about time management and more about energy management because you can be time rich, but if you're energy poor, you're going to waste that time. But if you're energy rich, even if you're time poor, you're going to get more done in that time than it would take people weeks or even months to achieve. So let's come on and look at um, your tips for how to manage this energy and how to get the most out of the day. Could you give us an idea, Simon, first of what kind of people are you supporting to get a grip on this? So you, I, I mean, you've got some great media coverage there. So are you talking to big companies or individuals? Yeah, so uh, mo- most of my work is public speaking, and I speak to quite an eclectic audience, so everything from festivals. So I'm, I'm speaking at CarFest later this summer, uh, all the way to the big organizations and conferences uh, in the workplace. So quite an eclectic mix. And for me, it's it's nice because it keeps me on my toes. Each audience is different and, and they will have different questions. And then outside of that, I also work one-to-one uh, with a small group of clients. So typically entrepreneurs, uh, executives, uh, and, and people in leadership positions who are looking to not only better themselves, but also empower their teams uh, to become leaders in their own right. Here's the thing, right? As far as I'm concerned, when I do uh, public speaking, I'm going to be honest, it's pretty three-dimensional. 
not because mm. like I'm not good at it, although I'm not I'm not particularly brilliant, but because I'm on a different level to the people I'm talking to and my life operates on a what I would say a higher frequency and the mm. things that are most important to me in my day so number one smile at the sun every day mm. without fail even if it's dark I'll smile at the moon but I'm great yeah. grateful to be here mm. if I go saying that in 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 the some corporate structure <laughs> Literally, the last time I talked like this, my the 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 host, right, who should have been bigging me up, just went. Now that's just weird, <laughs> and I'm like, I probably didn't bridge it very well that time. But how can you? Exp- I mean, f- for me, the highest form of vibration is love. Yeah, it's it's once you understand, once you can get to a place in your life where you never talk badly of another person. Mm-hmm you're in a beautiful place when you're with a corporate audience or, or it, it, you know, or even when I'm doing live coaching, you got to kind of blow all this over ev- everybody. Yeah. And I, because we're all taught, essentially it's all energy. Everything is energy. So it doesn't yeah. matter what you're talking to an office about. You are essentially manipulating the energy in that room. You're helping mm. people to go away and manipulate energy. So mm. yes, your experience, Simon, sorry. Definitely. No, I think it's a great question, Chris, because you are going to speak in front of different audiences. So corporates, uh, in my case, I've done some talks to children. Uh, I've done talks to people in the middle of a field at the festival uh, to, to a public audience. And when we talk about love and we talk about also communication, because at the end of the day, uh, communication is energy. When we want to communicate a message, we have to be able to transfer the energy we have from us to the audience in order for them to buy into our story. And when it comes to speaking, one of the lessons I learned right at the beginning of my journey is that it is not about us. It is about them. So how can we speak in a way that shows not only that we understand where they are right now, but that we can help guide them? to where we know they can be. So instead of saying, hey, I'm up here, you're here, actually, I'm going to come down to where you are just for a moment so I can relate to you by using examples that you can resonate with. Just to share one or two examples to illustrate what I mean. So I remember I was doing a talk to uh, creatives in the film industry. So because I knew the audience were thinking a very certain way, so their knowledge is about films, about production, about editing, it's a very creative brain. What I did is instead of using my usual analogies, I started using film analogies. And so when somebody in the audience said to me, Simon, what is, what does the process of coaching look like? Because I've never had coaching before. And I said to this particular person and the rest of the audience, I said, coaching is like doing inception on somebody. So you may have seen the film Inception starring Leonardo DiCaprio, directed by Christopher Nolan. In the film, they go dream within a dream within a dream all the way down to limbo so they can plant a seed of an idea that would germinate and come to dominate the future of that person. And I say to the audience, I kind of do the same. I work with my clients. I understand who they are at the core level of their being so that when we come back out to reality, reality hasn't changed, but the way they see their reality has. So that's one example. And it's just really understanding what will connect with them so they understand the essence of your message god you are good mate 
I tell you that <laughs> you know you you have you have this wonderful ability to slow life down and see what needs to be done. Mm. I'm like a bull in a china shop. I just you know I I definitely need your services. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, even when we think about gratitude, so we talk about love and gratitude. I give the example to the corporate audience. I say to them, imagine how it would feel if your manager comes up to you after you finished a project or a task, tapped you on the shoulder and said, well done. I just wanted to share my gratitude with you for the hard work you did for us winning this client and for us getting to the next stage of this deal. I would simply ask the audience, how would that make you feel? That does not cost you a single penny. Giving appreciation and gratitude costs you nothing, but can transform your day and the way that you feel. And again, that's something all of us can relate to. And it's something that CEOs and managers, they just don't do, do they? They're, there's this kind of weird separation I found when I used to have a job that the kind of management think that they're a bit special and that they hmm. isolate themselves from the workforce. And um, it's almost when you get your Christmas car, it's, <laughs> it's so tokenistic. Yes. And Simon, what um, are there any assumptions you make that we can make with an audience? I mean, for example, my experience of working for other people, I'd mm. I'm just going to be honest. It's never really been good. It's been bearable at best. Mm. I wouldn't say that I really wanted to be there. If I was honest, I'd much rather be going fishing or, you know, working on my, <laughs> you know, when I actually left a career to go and start writing books, it was one of the greatest moments in, in my life really, mm. because I didn't have to work with people that I didn't want to work with any any anymore can you kind of generalize like that with people in audiences that that really there's something they'd rather be doing that that can be the case in some instances chris so if i'm doing uh let's say i'm doing a public talk where you have to buy a ticket in order to come and see me share my thoughts on stage i already know that you're going to be interested in what i have to say because you've purchased a ticket you've done your research you purchased a ticket and you're coming to the event if I'm doing a talk at a company and the employees have no choice, but they got to come to the event because the company's <laughs> yes, put the event on, yes. then clearly that's a very different hurdle because the company has paid for me to come to talk and the employees have been told, you've got to come to this event. And so knowing that information, I know that it's even more important for me as a speaker or the trainer to grab their attention as quick as I can and show them that me being there is worth their energy. It's worth their presence. Mm. And so there's a different sort of focus that comes with when an audience is paying to hear you speak versus when an audience has no choice but to come and hear you speak. And it's just managing how you interact with people in that way when you have that knowledge. Yes, that's a great skill. Because I've often thought when I've talked to a corporation or a corporate sort of audience that, my God, if I really said what I wanted to, you'd all get up and leave the job tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> sorry friends at home i might be sounding really rude i'm really hope so many of you love your work and that's a great th i mean that that's just so traditionally and great i'm i'm a little bit biased because i've always been a square peg in a round hole um mm. you know 
and that can get really painful. Uh, I'm all about loyalty. I'll do anything for anyone. I, I remember one of my colleagues was going to be sacked because we we were in an organization you weren't supposed to drink alcohol. And this guy, it meant a lot to him. He'd come from um, Hungary to get this this job. And in Hungary, they don't uh, – this is back before kind yeah. of Euros and all this sort of stuff. So they were – very impoverished uh, existence it was a big thing for him and when the boss thought i was the golden boy so he put his arm around me and went yeah we're gonna have to sack this guy and i said well he said yeah he's been we found he was taking a drink and i said well you better you better sack me then boss because i had a drink with <laughs> it i had a drink with him you know that's how loyal i am simon I, I i don't care if i'm homeless on the street i gotta live with my values and i i found it really frightening how how backstabbing sort of people could could be but let's just talk generally then so what are the principles of what you teach where does it start how would you start educating can we just sort of generally talk through it so if i if i look at look at the four dimensions of energy where for me it starts is is your physical energy because if there's anything that we have taken away from the global pandemic is the fact that health is your first wealth you know, when you are healthy, you may have lots of hopes, dreams, and goals, but when you're sick, you only have one. And so we have to stop making our health a side hustle. We end up, which is this, which is a, a fact for a lot of us, we end up sacrificing our health in order to make money. And then eventually we have to sacrifice money in order to recuperate our health. And that is not sustainable. And so for me, the first area to address is your physical energy you can't give to others what you don't have yourself and so that includes getting sufficient rest and sleep uh moving your body and feeding your body right uh you can get all the best tips and strategies and hacks to be the best leader or to run the best business but if you're not getting enough sleep you're not really going to put it into action or you're not going to go forth with your best effort sleep for me is the foundation of your most productive day now, just to illustrate how important it is, when you jump into uh, an Uber, for example, would you prefer to be sitting in the back of a car with your driver having had a full night's sleep or just two hours sleep that night? I mean, I know which car I would prefer to be in. And it's the same with us. Many of us are surviving on just a couple of hours sleep a night. And we have to address that before we can do all the other things that we want to do. So for me, that's where it begins. It's a look at your physical energy on a scale of zero to 10. What would you rate it as? And then what must change for that to go up, even just by one point? Because even a move or a shift of one point will impact your mental, emotional, and spiritual energy because you will see the day and the challenges the world throws your way in a very different perspective. You don't want to do anything with me if I've had two hours sleep. <laughs> probably probably means i've been partying for six days <laughs> stay away folks this is just it is beautiful this is beautiful simon health is not a side hustle it's just so true isn't it i say to everyone look just even if you can walk around the block in the day do something rather mm. than just see it as like a punishment or you can't give to others what you haven't got mm. that is great I'm writing this down because I'm learning so much here for myself, you know, especially when you work with other people. And I, I, I know sometimes like my, let's call it negative energy is transferred mm. to other people. 
do you do you recommend any particular kind of diet to people or yeah so for me uh and just to quickly finish off on the point you share which i think is very important mm -hmm. is when it comes to your uh your fitness and moving your body now i appreciate that not everyone will wake up every morning and feel motivated to want to go to the gym or to go for a walk outside but here's the thing you may not always want to do it each day but you never regret it after you never regret it after you never regret moving your body in some way whether it's active rest or it's something uh that's going to require a bit more energy and for those who need a little more motivation let me put it in this way blocking out one hour of your day to move your body to get your fitness into a better state is less than 5% of your day. That is 4.2% to be exact. Now, if you cannot commit 4.2% of your day to better your physical energy, so you can not only live longer, but you can show up better, then I think that's telling you something. The next question you had was about other areas that we can address with our energy. Is that correct, Chris? Yeah, I was talking about diet. I what you know you talk about this health issue for that we've that going to say allegedly friends that we've had for the last 3 years so that mm. none of that bothers me because i never get ill so yeah, like, yeah. i don't i mean i've got a few niggles from years of running and being in the military um probably if i was honest i i think i've lived a lot of my life dehydrated simon mm. because mm. in england it's always about a cup of tea <laughs> uh, and now we've moved on to like our american brothers and sisters we moved on to co coffee much much yeah. much more yeah no, no definitely i mean it's, it's funny when i think about diet chris there's there's really only two things that i focus on uh one is be a waterholic uh you know which means the opposite of being an alcoholic so be a waterholic means you uh have a strong bias to drinking water as much as possible you'll notice i've got one next to me at the moment uh because water is what the body is mostly made of inside of us so if we are keeping our bodies hydrated uh not only is it good for our health but it's good for our skin which i'm sure we all want better better skin complexion and the second is i do not prescribe to any particular fads that you you see in 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 the bookstore like this diet this diet that diet this new diet for the beginning of a new year for me it's all about moderation with a bias to fruit and veg all about moderation with a bias to fruit and veg yes you will have some people to say don't eat carbs or don't eat rice or don't eat this or don't eat that mm. now if you look at japan which has one of the longest life expectancies in the world they eat rice they eat fish they eat some of the things that some diets would say you should just not eat mm. and so for me it's all about moderation with a bias to fruit and veg for a lot of us, the reason our diets suck is because we take things to the extreme uh, and we go away or we deviate from just having things in moderation. Yes, and it's another area that's part of the side hustle, isn't it? Mm. You know, we nip out of the workplace at lunchtime, we grab a burger or or it takes a bit of strength. I remember I used to just go into work with a big Tupperware box full of salad and i spice it up a bit i maybe have some salami or something or a little bit of cheese just so it wasn't completely boring but like mm. i religiously 
did that because I don't ever want to get ill and, and I haven't been ill for 20 years. So I'm glad we touched on 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 health because that often gets overlooked. It's like building a house. You know, if you don't have that solid foundation, you can look really good on the outside. But when, you know, when challenges come your way, you're going to collapse. Yes. You're going to burn out because you don't have that solid foundation in place. What we come to learn and something I learned on my journey as well is the end goal should never be about materialism or money because money and materialism is only a means goal. The question is a means to what? You, you know, money is like fuel. If, if, if you're driving a car, in order to understand how much fuel to fill your tank with, you've got to know where you're heading. Where's your destination? It's different if I'm driving a few miles away. So if I'm driving cross country, I'm going to need a lot more fuel if I'm driving cross country. But I need to know what am I working towards? It's the same thing with money. You know, depending on what your goals are in life, that will give you visibility and clarity on the money you need. And I remember a conversation with a friend of mine and he said to me, Simon, I want to move up the career ladder. I want to get to a point where I'm earning millions of dollars a year. And I said to him, let's assume for a moment you've got to that position and you're earning all of these million dollars a year. What would you then use that for? What would then be possible? And that's where he got a bit stuck because he hadn't thought beyond that. His focus was so much on the money that he hadn't really thought what he was going to do with it all apart from spend it which is the first thing that often comes to our mind i want to spend it on this house this car this this travel and so on but what's going to bring you meaning and and i think that's why it can be toxic if we're only doing this for the money or the or the materialism it's a bit like your darth vader analogy it's use <laughs> it's using the force for the darkness isn't it do you find they tend to think it's about materialism or is it some people like they just want to be happier. They just don't care about the money. They're just desperately, they're not where they want to be in life. Yeah, I think people come to me for various reasons, but I think one of the most common is they've got to a point where they feel like they're hitting a ceiling. And because they don't have the perspective of others around them for various reasons. So let's say you rise up in a company and you get to a C-level position. It's tougher to ask your colleagues for their advice or their help because there's a lot more politics involved when you're in the upper echelons of management. And that's why when we have conversations like we do in a coaching session, they have the space to be transparent and to share everything on their mind so that we can create a path forward that will give them the focus they need on what they can control. And, and that's what I often find is they reach a point where they don't feel like they know what's next. So some of my clients have involved Michelin star chefs and celebrities and entrepreneurs. And just to give an example, when you've got, when you're working towards your first Michelin star, you have this element of freedom. You can try things, you can get things wrong. Uh, you can really express your creativity. In January 98, we won our three stars with five red knives and forks. I'd realized my dream. Things don't happen overnight. You have to make the emotional and the personal investment. Retaining them is the most boring job in the world. You become this very well-oiled machine. It's no longer personal, it's mechanical. But once you get that first Michelin star, now everybody's eyes are on you. 
They're watching your every move. What is the restaurant you're going to open next? What is the next project you're going to work on? And so to get that second star becomes a lot more harder. Yes. Can't do baked beans on toast anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what comes next, Simon, with with respect? I mean, with respect to harnessing the energy or using it appropriately. Yeah. So what comes next really is addressing the mental, emotional and spiritual energy. So I'll I'll touch briefly on each one uh, because, I mean, in the book, I go a lot deeper. Uh, But spiritual energy is interesting because for a lot of us, we don't straight away understand what it means to be high on spiritual energy. Mm. But to explain it in a way that I think everybody will get is to look at society around us. When you look at people generally, what you notice is that they're exhausted, not because they are physically doing too much, but because one, they are doing too little of the things that bring them joy, and two, they are running someone else's race. And when you are running someone else's race, where you're doing work that is not aligned to your values or that makes you feel you're betraying your values, then you feel a bit of tension inside of you or a bit of frustration and anger. And that's when you're low on spiritual energy. When you're high on spiritual energy, you're doing the work that makes you feel alive. You're doing something that just pulls you forward. You don't need to motivate yourself to get up in the morning. You just find yourself getting up in the morning. And that's when you're high on spiritual energy. Mental energy is all about focus, mindset, and creativity. And emotional energy is how you relate to yourself and others. Some people might call that emotional intelligence. How do you understand you? And how do you understand the dynamic nature of communicating and relating to other people? What changes would would you suggest people implement if in order to achieve these quality in these areas? A simple exercise you can do immediately is to get a piece of paper On one list, write down all the things that give you energy, people, places, and things. On the second list, write down all the things that drain you of energy. Now, the first thing to notice is which one of those columns are you currently spending most of your time focused on? Where where are you directing your energy at this moment? Now, for some of us, it can be very eye-opening. We can realize that actually... I'm channeling so much of my attention to the things that actually drain me of energy. And so the next question is, how can you start shifting your time and your energy to the things that actually are productive for you, the things that are going to give you energy? So that's really the first step, is to raise your awareness of where your energy and time is being spent and to start making small shifts. Gosh, when you put it like that, it seems so simple, doesn't it? (laughs) <laughs> i get drained of energy when when my house is a mess mm. you know so what's the answer there is instead of seeing that as a chore a chore mm. that you know i don't earn money doing that da, 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 see it as something that's no it's it's gonna pay you in energy to get that area sort sorted out definitely and also it pays you in terms of your creativity because I, I remember watching interviews with the likes of Bill Gates and Richard Branson uh, and a few other billionaires. And what they all shared was the importance of chores, chores that were meaningful for them. Because not only did it give them energy, 
but it also gave them the opportunity to slow down. And when you become mindful in the moment, so you begin living in that present moment, your creativity ignites. You know, there'll be moments when you're on an, when you're on a flight for a holiday or you're washing the dishes or you're gardening and you suddenly have an insight and you go, ah, oh, that's what I need to focus on or that's who I need to call. But those things often only come to you when you're not sitting in front of a screen or on your phone or on your desk. It comes when you have that space where you're giving oxygen to your creativity because you can collect all the dots you want. But if you don't give yourself the space to connect those dots, it's meaningless. Mm. Can you give us an idea, Simon, um, what changes, is there a kind of pattern in changes that people make that they come and say, Simon, I've done this. It's just one simple thing. I'm I'm always saying hot shower, cold shower. Mm. It's just great. <laughs> it's apparently it stimulates the vagus nerve. Um I would say it probably takes us back to our primate roots when we lived in the forest and we we would get wet and we would get cold. Mm. Uh, we wouldn't always have a cave to go and sit in, would we? So I think some nature's done something that very clever there. But every yeah. every client that I've ever said this to comes back the next week. Like, I've done it, Chris. And it's I see <laughs> what you mean now. I see what you, you know. Can you give us some examples of what what's worked in your coaching? Yes, yeah, so I'm comes immediately to mind is if you are in a position of leadership, make it a regular habit of expressing your appreciation and gratitude for your colleagues and employees in very personal ways. Because what happens is that you begin to energize them to want to do more than their basic job description. Uh, so it could be leaving one of your employees a voice note to tell them how much you appreciate the work they did. It could be writing a card. It could be sharing with the rest of the team in your weekly meeting an example of what you'd like to see more of by name-checking someone just in the way that you did at the beginning of this call with Spencer, Chris. Mm. Again, these things don't cost us anything, but the way it impacts the recipient is profound. So that's one thing we can do. Second is write more. What I mean by that is keep... So I've got two right here. But keep notepads and journals next to you at all times. So you can write and download information from your head onto paper. The reality is we don't do enough of it. And when we don't, we keep all of it in our head, such that we end up thinking about our thinking, about our thinking, about our thinking. And we get so caught up in here that either we take no action or we drown in scenarios that may or may not happen. Mm. But when you write on a regular basis, it's like therapy for free. You end up understanding your thoughts at a deeper level and you gain clarity as to the best way forward. So that's the second. And the third is upgrade your environment. I'm often asked, Chris, what is the fastest way to make progress in any area of my life? And the response I always give is to design an environment around you that makes it impossible not to succeed. How do we do that? But look at the people you spend time with. Look at the magazines you read. Look at what you watch on television. Look at what you listen in terms of podcasts, in terms of music, in terms of any other sources of information. Look at the physical spaces you spend time in. All of these things have an impact on how we see ourselves and what we see as possible. 
Simon, this is gold. <laughs> you can see I'm, I'm, I'm right. I'm writing all this down. It's wonderful. So to finish off, because um, to be honest, friends, what I what I'd like you to do is uh, this. Take it from me. This is incredible stuff. Sometimes you need someone else just to tell you just just to cut through the clutter in your life and say ching ching ching, and you're like, ah, yes. Uh, slow down a bit and, and and listen to someone like Simon. It's incredible. So what we're going to do, like I say, the links will be below. I want you to go out and and listen to Simon's audio book or read his book, whatever your um, whatever your whatever your thing is, or or if you're in need of coaching, um, ping Simon an email. Um, email is on your website, Simon, isn't it? Because that's how that's just how in the form and yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll come to me. Could you just give us? Um, could we fi finish on a sort of happy ever after story for, you know, a client or an audience, some, some, something? Yeah. Well, if, if I may, Chris, I'll, I'll maybe finish off on something that will energize the listener to go off and do something today to make their life better tomorrow. And that is the fact that I remember when I became a parent for the first time in April, 2020, one of the things I was reminded about is just how much a miracle we are. Many of us wish we would win the national or the regional lottery. But the thing we forget is we have already won the greatest lottery that there is going, the lottery of life. The fact that we were gifted with this opportunity to experience the spectrum of being a human on this planet. The question here is what are you going to do with that winning ticket of yours? What are you going to do with that winning ticket of yours? How much longer will you avoid what you are capable of in order to continue with what you are comfortable with? Collapse that gap between idea and execution, and that will become your greatest antidote to regret. Friends, you heard it here first. Unless you followed Simon for a while, then you heard it here second. Simon... <laughs> absolutely in incredible thank you so much for um coming on the show even your book if i may say so i'm just going to get a picture up for my my even um the cover of your book is it 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 just feels so right um thank you so much for coming on the show just um stay put when i click the record off just so i can thank you personally and uh, i usually try and borrow money from my guests <laughs> um but uh no simon you're one wonderful human being thank you it's really an honor to meet you um i wish you all the best I, maybe you me and spencer can catch up at some um at some point and do something somewhere on this beautiful planet definitely i look forward to it chris and uh thank you so much for having me on as a guest today no problem and um uh as i say to all my guests it's an open invitation always welcome to come back um perhaps we could do a live show at some point and take some questions from from our audience friends if you'd like that let us know in the comments below uh and to our friends out there massive massive love to you i really hope this has helped you as much as it's uh informed me if you could please like and subscribe that would be wonderful um just let you know if you become a youtube member you get access to all of our back catalogue of videos all the ones that that uh, the public don't get to see 
$1.99 a month really helps support the channel and helps us keep doing what we're doing. Thank you for those who've supported us on Patreon um, and locals. And we're going to see you with, with your VIP tickets for our upcoming Bushcraft weekend, 1st of September. Massive thank you to Simon again. Massive thank you to you all. See you all soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>